lyrics of the lost. Happy holidays and welcome to episode 8, our Christmas special. Note that I omitted saying Christmas at first, and then surprised you by mentioning it anyway. I'm just trying to skirt the whole war on Christmas issue by making both sides equally unhappy. (laughs) I don't do this job to be popular. I do it to make sure I've recorded enough controversial hot takes so that I can never hold any kind of public office. And also to make myself an easy elimination in the candidate pool for private sector positions too. And I think I've achieved that. Compliments of the season to you, Dave. Feliz Navidad to you. Very nice. Thank you. I said compliments of the season, but we're in Australia, so the season is summer. I'd just like to point that out for our international listeners. And uh, so the compliments of this season might be, you look a bit sweaty, but it suits you. Or uh, you're in good humour for someone who can't bear to get off the couch from in front of the fan. (laughs) Well, anyway, now that we're sitting by the fireplace in our chunky cable knit sweaters, a steaming mug of bovril in our hands, it's time to settle in for episode eight, our Christmas special, which is this. Last Christmas by Wham. Oh, sorry, there's an exclamation point after Wham. By Wham! Wham! Written by, written by George Michael, 1984. Not only written by Michael, but he also played every instrument you hear on the track. He even played his own vocal cords and mouth. So this is 100% pure, uncut George Michael with not even a hint of Wham partner Andrew Ridgely. Not a smidge of Ridge. According to George's own studio engineer, however, George was no musician, and so the music for this song is very simple and keeps the focus on his vocals. The simplicity of this tune, though, left the song open to legal claims of copyright breach, such as from Barry Manilow, who thought it was too similar to the tune of his 1978 hit, Can't Smile Without You. Barry lost that one, though. Nice try, Barry, if you're listening. I read that. I'm trying to remember if Barry's alive. Is Barry alive? I feel like he's alive. You can still feel him. That's good. He's, he's lurking vaguely in the ether. Lovely. Yeah, it, it's interesting if um, George is no musician, yet he recorded every single scrap of that track. What is, where does that leave Andrew? What's he? From, from what I did read about George, Andrew... Uh, provided George with with confidence um, uh, until George apparently didn't need it anymore. <laughs> the the confidence that he was more competent than Andrew. Yeah, well, uh, that he that he could do it all. George was apparently quite a humble person, um, uh, plagued with doubt and stuff. And uh, Andrew said, "Come on, mate, we can do it. Let's put on some you know small." shorty short shorts and uh, dance around and yeah George was like oh all right Andrew let's give it a go then um that's how they spoke that's exactly how they spoke those exact accents yes now Dave you chose this song for our Christmas special for God's sake why 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 indeed well number one it has Christmas in the title 
Yep. Number two, it has a lovely video. Oh, yes, yes. Num number three, it's a sad Christmas song, and the world seems to have a fascination with sad Christmas songs. I don't know if you've mm. ever noticed that. There's an awful lot of them. Ones where people mm. are missing their loved ones. Song Christmas songs about dead people. Christmas songs from the point of view of someone who's in prison. Sad mm. Christmas songs. Well, the only thing that's coming to my mind is um, is uh, some Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You, uh, Jingle Bells. Uh, it's all pretty happy. Um uh, Elvis Presley, blue, there'll be a blue Christmas without you. Oh, I didn't even know that one. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. That's incredibly bleak, basically. Is it? Oh. Yeah. You go and listen to the lyrics. It Basically, everything's shit. We can't be together. Maybe if we're not dead, one day we'll get together. That's what it's about. Merry little Christmas. Isn't that like Bing Crosby or someone? He probably sang it. It was... Oh, I want to say... Judy Garland, but I could be totally wrong. So it's kind of have yourself a merry little Christmas or something. Yeah, it's a wartime song. Okay. Sad Christmas songs. That's why I chose it. I, I like a Christmas song that makes me cry. Oh, that's sweet. This one doesn't. <laughs> There's too much to laugh at. Yes. In uh, Well, certainly in the video. Um, and uh, speaking of the video... Um, there's kind of an issue here we should discuss. Um, so in this Christmas song, George Michael is singing to a former lover. And uh, yeah, for ease of reference in, in our discussion, we might need to get this issue out of the way. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Good. Anyway, carry on. It's... <laughs> do, you, do you really know what the issue is I'm going to bring up? I believe I do. Carry on. Yes. Sorry. It's a bit obvious, isn't it? It's public knowledge that George was gay. <laughs> Um, possibly still is. Uh, he didn't change his sexuality. He just, he died. Um, I, di I didn't want to sound like I was suggesting he was less than committed to uh, or certain about his sexuality. Um, perhaps it's better to say George was a person who is gay. But that sounds wrong because that's mixing the tenses in a sentence. Um, well, if, uh, if we were both in the room with George as he was dying... I could say to you, everything that George is, is now a was. Um, and I'd be explaining that to you in a sort of careless whisper in case his family were also there. Nice. See what I did there? Yeah. So uh, George, was, George was gay uh, from the moment he realized it right up to the end of his life, as far as, as I know. Um, it's really none of my business. But... I think crucially in 1984 or whenever this was, I don't think he was sort of publicly out. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so in the in the music video for the song, he's clearly singing to a woman who dumped him, and then he's with another woman, and we can only hope that George was fine about doing this and wasn't too pressured by an agent or a music studio to appear heterosexual. Um, but there's a long history, of course. Uh, throughout the entertainment industry of keeping things heteronormative. Indeed. I, I, From what I understand, George was responsible for the concept of the video, so I, I don't think we're insulting him by referring mm. to a woman. Okay, yeah. It, you know, whoever he, he might have actually been thinking about uh, when he wrote the song. Um, 
I, I, I also just read uh, that George was born with the name Georgios Kyriakos Paniutu from a Greek background. So I guess he was okay with uh, change, changing things up a bit to maximize his success. Yeah, and that was a lovely racist accent too. Well, okay. Oh, sorry. Jeez. <laughs> sorry, was it was it a, a, a homage? I was just trying to be accurate, of course. Georgios Kyriakos. Um, so we'll probably refer to the person George is singing to in our discussion as uh, the woman or the girl, but never as sugar tits, because that's, uh, that sexually objectifies women, and that's not what pop music is all about. Um, I might also refer to George by calling him Michael, but that's only because I have difficulty with surnames that are also first names. Well, I'll make up for that by calling him George. Okay, well, it'll balance out then. Yeah. So long as you go first, and then I finish off with Michael. That's right. I, I said first names then, and not Christian names, uh, and that's because I'm starting a war on Christian names. Um, that's a, a sequel to the War on Christmas. Uh, incidentally, um, it could be that the War on Christmas only started because of lingering resentments left over from the Cola Wars of the 80s. Pepsi and Coke. Some of, some of our listeners might not know, but the famous image we all have in our heads of Santa Claus came largely from Coca-Cola campaigns in the 1930s. And so it's possible Pepsi have started this recent war on Christmas to ruin Coke's IP. Something to think about. Is there a war on Christmas? Oh, yeah, it's been going for, you know, uh, like uh, probably the last year or two, um, in, in, in more in American politics, I suppose. It's just because we have to say season's greetings as you did at the start of the show. Yeah. Well, I think Americans were the ones who started doing that. And then um, I think the Republican Party said, no, 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 we should be able to say Merry Christmas. It's it's the left that are trying to cancel Christmas. And um, so then all of this has, has sort of come about. So the important thing is here, we've, we've got all the terms of reference out of the way. Um, so to the lyrics. To the lyrics. Gave you my I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave, gave it away. Not threw it away or otherwise discarded it, but gave it away to someone else the very next day. So this is all part of the fine old Christmas tradition of re-gifting. George's heart was like that scented candle or that knife and cheeseboard set book of 101 golfing jokes, that cocktail shaker that didn't come with any actual alcohol, just recipes, that barbecue apron with a big pair of plastic norks on it, all that stuff that's just designed to be rewrapped and given away again. That was George's heart, a sandalwood loofah soap set that would just be clutter in her bathroom. <laughs> but if she gave it away, she gave it to someone intending perhaps that George should love them instead. She might have given his heart to a guy, and maybe that's why George became gay. She might have given it in a collection drive to the Salvation Army or St Vincent de Paul, and that's why George loved supporting charities as he did. Um, it's dangerous, though, when, when another girl took Richard Gere's heart, she carelessly gave it to a gerbil, and look how that turned out, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Any thoughts on that one, Dave? 
Um, interestingly, you've picked up on exactly the same point that I I picked up on. Yep. Yes, the idea of giving our heart to somebody, where giving a heart is a metaphor for love. You know, it could be romantic love, physical love, sexual love, love of a family, love of a miniature donkey. And mm. I do love a miniature donkey. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you so, want to bring up your miniature donkey fascination? That's that's good. They're very cute. I love a miniature oh, donkey. Well, I used to have a thing for tiny ponies, and then I met miniature donkeys, and now I don't care about tiny ponies anymore. Well, is this something you've seen on the uh, on the YouTube? No, I've met tiny ponies. So sorry, miniature donkeys in person. Oh wow! Oh well, I might have to. I might have to look them up on YouTube just to see. Well, if you do, you will see a lovely video of Arnold Schwarzenegger feeding miniature donkeys in his house. Oh my God! Wow that that would um, that would melt any woman's heart. Was he is he shirtless when he's doing it? And no, this is recent. This is recent. Okay, <laughs> he knows by now that he's got to keep his shirt on. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how did how did the uh, miniature donkeys come back to uh, to the Wham song again? Uh, because so I love a, miniature donkeys. You've given your heart to miniature donkeys. <laughs> I've given my heart to miniature donkeys. And have they have they accepted that heart, or have they are they likely to give it away? Well, no. I but I believe they haven't given it away. They've just failed to notice that I'm giving them my heart. Right. So it's it's been unrequited. Okay. Yeah. As of now. Anyway, but, you know, back, back they're, to... they're slow to understand though, so maybe you know, give them time. Give them time. Don't rush the donkey. Let the donkey, um, miniature donkey, you know, have time to consider things. Yeah. All right, this is starting. This is starting to make me feel uncomfortable. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. So you you've talked about giving your heart to somebody. So giving your heart to somebody, it's a metaphor for giving our love to them. Correct. Now, if that person doesn't want our love you know yeah the love could be unrequited they could initially seem to reciprocate their love but as is i think it seems to be the case in this song uh, they change their mind or as they say have a change of heart oh but interesting if that person doesn't want your love what are they going to do right so you're giving them your heart what do they do they can decline to accept it they can mm-hmm. discard it. They can throw it away. They mm. can chuck it on the ground and stomp on it with their great big boots until it's completely crushed. And spit on it. Spit on it, exactly. But mm. what they don't normally do is give it to somebody else. No, it's it's very odd. It, it... Look, I think it actually opens up questions about consent. I think it actually makes the song seem less nice. So she should have had his consent before giving his heart on to someone else. Yes. Well, yes, it's, it's she, you know, to take the metaphor further, she is giving his love to somebody else. Gosh, like some sort of arranged marriage. Worse still, I, it, I think it calls into question, A, the type of the relationship, but B, it calls into question what type of Christmas parties George Michael was going to. I'm oh. just concerned that this was a kind of a Jeffrey Epstein situation where George was being lent out to this woman's wealthy <laughs> businessman friends. Oh no. Oh my oh that's that's horrifying. Maybe maybe it's not that bad though. Maybe there it's a, a sort of party where as, as each person comes through the door in their cable knit sweaters, um, they just pop their heart into a into a bowl um, 
and then at the end of the evening they uh, fish out hearts at random and take them home and uh, see how that goes. Anyway, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but in the video there's a whole thing with a brooch that represents this heart thing. Yes, yes, there's always uh, caressing of this brooch and him giving her the brooch in front of the fireplace on the on the floor. And then uh, Andrew Ridgely turns up wearing the brooch the following year. Oh, God, did he? I believe so, yeah. So the, the, ah. the, bro- the, the brooch is representing the heart. Good God. George gives this girl the brooch. Perhaps the very next day, she re-gifts it to Andrew. Well, were men wearing big brooches in the 80s? It's not something I remember, but... It was uh, a strange time. I certainly wasn't, but, you know, I wasn't very fashionable. I mean, I was, certainly wasn't a pop star. You would wonder, I think, as a man, if a woman gives you a brooch, you would think, is this really meant for me? <laughs> like, <laughs> how, how well do you know me, really? You're giving me a brooch. Hmm. <laughs> This year, I'll give it to someone special. That's a pretty no. That's a pretty sick burn. They're special. You're not. Yes, yes, I know. But um, yeah, it's almost a year later, and he somehow has snatched his heart back again. So, so he's got it ready to give again. Uh, so, if he's got it back, that might make him uh, a bit like an Indian giver, or a, a First Nations giver. Um, <laughs> That's not right, is it? Um, it could have eventually been been re-gifted back to him after a few of his friends' birthdays, engagement parties, christenings and the like. Eventually, he gets it given back from his second cousin who pops in with a gift at George's housewarming party. He unwraps it and he, he recognises his own heart with a, a pang of disappointment. But at least he felt whole again and 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 ready to move forward. Or is he because... He's being very petulant, as you say, uh, singing this year, I'll give it to someone special, implying his ex was not special enough. Well, you know, bearing in mind that he spends nearly the entire song singing about this ex-girlfriend and the new lover barely rates a mention at all. Yes, Um, yes. It's kind of you're so vain all over again, you know. You're so vain. I've written a whole song about you. And uh, this, you're not special enough. And this year, I'm, I've got someone special. Uh, but I've written a whole song about you anyway. And I'm such a narcissist. I insist on playing all the instruments myself, and don't let anyone else do anything. No, <laughs> that's right. So it's just a big suki tantrum. What a diva! Indeed. Maybe, maybe give your heart to a guy next time, George. You know, he could have partnered up with uh, another popular, prominent pop star of the time, eventually marrying and hyphenating the surname, and we could have had Boy George Michael and, and George George Michael. What a lost opportunity in a, in a way of future that never was. Wow. What an alternative universe that would be. Uh, but thankfully, you know, George did find a, a special couple of loves uh, to give his heart to for the next few years. Um, yeah, I'm talking about uh, bleach and blow dryers. Um, our 80s Georgios Kiriakos bleached all that dark Greek hair and uh, thoroughly removed any natural colour from his teeth for that 
wholesome yet eerie and vacant village of the damn child look. It's a shame I'm dreaming of a white Christmas had already been done, or he, he surely would have had to create it. And um, it's sad that this is only an audio medium because we must urge everyone to see the, uh, the video for last Christmas, where uh, especially the indoor scenes uh, sees George sporting a, a magnificent mane of hair, an enormous blow-waved mulleted ferrofaucet hair helmet that defies all gravity and reason. Until you get to those uh, brutal exterior ski resort shots where the snow viciously melts that hair down like wet fairy floss, or, or cotton candy as it's known in some regions of the world. I think that's yet another metaphor for George's love and his state of mind having been crushed by this woman. True, true. Except, uh, except there's, it's kind of peppered throughout the video. You, you see them arriving. So there's, there's the wet snow hair, and then it's only in the middle of the of the video where they're having dinner and laughing and drinking wine that the the real bouffant of eighties mullet hair, uh, you know, really inflates to its full. Um, and then the video clip goes on, and they're back in the snow going home. And you know it's it's all flat hair again, which is sad. So, yeah, the, he starts with a, a sad heart, uh, and then in the middle of the video, he's, he's he's all great again, and and perhaps I suppose if what you're saying is true, the the end with the hair going flat again is an eerie a portent that his new love is, is not going to turn out well either. I don't believe his new love's going to turn out well at all because he makes it pretty plain in the song that he'd dump her pretty quickly if the previous woman showed any interest in him oh that's right yes if if you kiss me now you, i know you'd fool me again yes he's yeah he keeps going on about oh i found a real love special but he'd dump her like anything mm. if um the other woman showed him any attention at all so if i was his new girlfriend i wouldn't be feeling very special at all no it's like he keeps saying oh i'm so over her but then that's all he ever talks about. Yes. And she pretty quickly finds that she's just a beard anyway. And uh, he's going he's gonna to move on to men. It's, we, we, we know it's going to happen. If only the studios will, would, would, would let them show it. So, yeah, back, back on the lyrics. Um, oh, there's just so much repetition in this song. Um, we've seen in previous episodes, how some of the most soulless and commercial of songs will start straight away in the song's chorus to be able to return to it and hit that chorus as many times as possible to, to hammer it into the listener's head with all the toxic steadfastness of a rusty nail. Last Christmas takes this to sadistic levels. Um, what's better than starting a pop song with the chorus? Following it up with an immediate repeat of the same chorus. And so it goes throughout this, this song, after any brief, fresh verse, wham, a double hit of the chorus again. He's crammed six choruses into less than four and a half minutes. What a monster. It's a cry for help. It's a cry for help. From the abusive relationship he's found himself in. Well, he's abusing the listener, I think. He's, <laughs> um, he's, he's using this sort of nasty earworm thing to, to, to lure listeners in and um, you know get them hooked and uh, addicted and it's it's really not fair um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna actually um, uh, edit the choruses out 
of um, this song and and just see how much is left and I'll I'll be able to report back on the percentage of of chorus to other content <laughs> and I think that's going to be an impressive um, percentage it's going to be an impressively short song hello it's Peter again here in the editing booth a few days later and I can now tell you that the lyrics of Last Christmas comprises 377 words or 1,768 characters. If you take away all the chorus and repetition, you have 671 characters left. So over 62% of this song is just earworm chorus. That's like eating a breakfast cereal that's two-thirds sugar. You shouldn't do it. It rots your teeth or in this case, your mind. Ask your dentist about last Christmas and gingivitis. Now it's back to the studio. One of the many tributes to the quality of this Christmas hit is that it was covered by Crazy Frog in 2006. Um, uh, of course, we all remember Crazy Frog, an annoying character invention mainly used to sell ringtones. Sell what? Ringtones. Oh, Remember, right, yes, yes. Changing, changing ringtones used to be all the rage. That's right. Uh, it's just it's totally dropped off now. People just stick with their, their set of I know, six um, standard Apple ringtones, if you've got an Apple. Nobody bothers to try and upload and import ringtones anymore. Apparently, you can do it on an iPhone, but it's incredibly difficult. But um, Yeah, it's true. It went from the point, you know, it was just like a some kind of little 8-bit monophonic thing then eventually got to the point where you could actually have a little fragment of a song in you know full quality as your ringtone yeah and now no one can be asked maybe it was just the pressure of of people you know having to you know beat their previous uh sample of a of a song as soon as you know one ringtone just sort of seemed to wear itself out you got to create a new one your friends have got to feel okay about it and give you approval and uh, that's you know a lot of pressure to keep up it's like um adolescence they've got to put on an, an outfit to to go out clubbing or something and um the pressure of choosing the right clothes must be um very daunting um so I, i'm sure it's like that uh, people just got sick of the pressure of new ringtones and just kept it simple from then on even though it's um it's bloody confusing when someone with the ring, same ringtone as you you know, their phone starts playing and you're suddenly patting your pockets, looking for your phone. Very annoying. So I have a slightly different problem in that years ago I had a, a like an actual fragment of a song as a ringtone. Dare we ask which which song? I can't even remember what it was, but I can tell you that whenever I hear that song, I think my phone's ringing, even though it was maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> I do remember being impressed once at work when someone had um, a ringtone that was the beginning of uh, Midnight Oil's uh, The Beds Are Burning, that song. And it starts off with... Bump, bump, bump. Oh, wow. Bump, bump, bump. <laughs> in in sort of saxophone, isn't it? <laughs> you don't approve. <laughs> no, no, fine. I just would find that really annoying. Well, see, that's the thing. These, these things might seem like a fun novelty at first and i only heard it the once so you know maybe yeah it would have gotten really annoying half a dozen rings down the track 
anyway, interesting phenomena. Ringtones were a thing, not so much anymore. No. Also, I can't remember why we're talking about it. <laughs> well, because, oh, yes, um, Crazy Frog. Uh, Crazy Frog, yes. Crazy Frog did uh, last Christmas, and I shall play a little bit of that right now so you can get a bit of a, a sense. You can just make a disgusted noise right now if you like. Also, I believe Taylor Swift has recorded it. Yes, I think that that rings a bell. It's, I guess, it's right up Taylor Swift's alley, just dumping on an ex-lover like that. Yes, Taylor, Tay Tay. Have you noticed? I often get this song and Careless Whisper confused, right? Oh, okay. Yep. This song's pretty much the opposite of Careless Whisper. Ooh. Like, so Careless Whisper, I'm never going to dance again because Guilty Feet ain't got no rhythm. So here's mm. George saying he's the bad guy. He's obviously dumped somebody unfairly. Oh, yeah. Last Christmas, other way around. Well, I guess it's admirable that, uh, you know, George isn't always uh, painting himself as, as the good guy. Um, That's true. He's, he's a compl- we're all complicated human beings, and George realises that. Um, he's obviously got some very clear insights into the human condition and uh, he's schooling us all um back to back to last christmas um and the lyrics people don't often mention george michael's links to terrorism that's true that's very true but there is a theory that george was an enemy insurgent and and once you know that you can quickly spot there are coded messages in these lyrics, uh, that he was clearly intending and sending back for his uh, terrorist controllers overseas. A face on a lover with a fire in his heart. Now, a face on a lover, that's, that's George confirming that a terrorist partner or lover has arrived as planned for an operation. And face on a lover means this terrorist partner has altered his appearance to evade authorities, uh, perhaps by using a lot of bleach and blow drying, like George. Um, lover. Fo- lover. Yeah. Oh, it's I... just code. Code oh, for see. someone who's uh, who's you know with them, uh, you yeah. know, with the movement, um, a terrorist partner. Yeah, lover. That's uh, mm. that's good code. And then fire in his heart refers to the incendiary device that George has constructed and that the terrorist has now secreted about his person. Ah. And then the next line. A man in the cover, a man undercover, but you tore him apart. A man undercover, that's George again referring to the agent that's changed his face. Uh, George was, was worried that the earlier code Face on a lover was too obscure, as it, it, it fooled you a bit there. Um, and so he more plainly states a man undercover, so his superiors can't be mistaken. That's um, really important with code, isn't it, to make it really clear what you're talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean George wasn't the best spy. He wasn't the best terrorist. Um, they, the controllers later gave George a bit of a dressing down over, over that because he, he pretty much gave the game away there to anyone who, who bothered listening. Um, and, and But you tore him apart. That refers, of course, to the device going off unexpectedly and killing the terrorist partner prior to the intended location. 
Um, that would have been a really different music video. Well, yeah, if it was true to life, yes, yes. Yeah. But um, on the ski lift or something, that would have been quite spectacular. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing it, it semi looks like a James Bond uh, movie. The the setting and well, I'm fairly sure if they'd panned up onto the cable car, there would have been Roger Moore and the dude with the metal teeth wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course, Jaws. Yes, and George goes on to accuse his superiors um, of sending him partners who are too inexperienced. He repeatedly pleads to them in the chorus, save me from tears, tears being accidents. Uh, He'll give his fiery heart or device to someone special, special meaning more experienced or qualified with explosives. Or someone in special ops. Special ops, yes, quite possible. Do you think it's possible that save me from tears implies that tears for fears were also terrorists <laughs> but not very good terrorists Ooh. and george refuses to work with them i don't know who tears for fears uh could have been working for were they they were american were they no they're english they're english too oh okay yeah yeah but as they say everybody wants to rule the world <laughs> uh, i've just thought about it some more and i've changed my whole theory I don't think oh. George was working with Tears for Fears. I think they were the opposition terrorist group. And he's actually asking to be saved from Tears because they're going to kill him. Well, I thought, I thought that's, that is what you were saying earlier. No, no, I'm saying he's going, oh, save me from Tears. They're rubbish. But now I oh. realise they're the other side. It's George versus Roland and Kurt. Oh, gosh. You know your Tears for Fears members. Yeah. That's very good. It's a mad world. <laughs> oh, dear. you got to be careful with those careless whispers. Careless whispers sink ships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I could go on all day. Maybe I will. <laughs> that's, that's him again. Careless whispers being a bit too obvious in his, um, in his codes. You've got to trust your code and stick to it. You can't go further clarifying codes. That's not what it's about, George. You're just going to let it sit and trust your superiors that they know what you're saying in the code that they issued you, for God's sake. Um, it's, it's very sad uh, to read, uh, as I did, uh, that George died in the early hours of a Christmas day. So it, it makes this his Christmas song very bittersweet. Um, and his sister Melanie also died on Christmas Day exactly three years later. That's wow. very sad. I didn't realise. That is genuinely sad. Yeah, I know. So for making fun of this song, um, you know, we might get a lot of backlash on this. Um, yeah, I'm very sorry. I don't mean any of it. That's what I like to say. Um, the classic cynical novel and hit movie Train Spotting. Now, that, uh, that was in... It was inspired and outraged by the... The positivity of Wham, those Choose Life T-shirts that George and Andrew wear in the in the mindlessly upbeat "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go," that became the start of a long ranting Choose Life speech by the main character in Train Spotting, a heroin addict who had chosen not to take part in life, uh, but to remove himself from the treadmill of life through drugs. Um, so, I think. You might uh, die of embarrassment when I do this, Dave, but I've I've updated this speech. Um, 
as as author Irvin Welsh uh, might perhaps have addressed that speech to George Michael himself, only here in my inconsistent Scottish accent. <clears throat> you ready? I'm dying to hear this. Okay, Scottish accent. Here we go. Choose life. Choose Christmas. Choose playing every instrument when you're not a musician. Choose to whittle down all the members of your band until it's just you. Choose bleach. Choose to hide that you're Greek. Choose to hide that you're gay. Choose a helmet of hair that makes you look like a f***ing Muppet. Choose to sing along with Phil Collins in Don't They Know It's Christmas, even though it pushes your own Christmas song down to number two in the charts. Choose a bloody big London home for yourself by Hampstead Heath. Choose giving to charities if it makes you feel better about you and your wealth. Choose cannabis, sleeping pills and opioid painkillers that weaken your heart so that when the big sentimentality of the Christmas you love arrives, it's what tragically kills you alone in that big house you bought. Choose life. Wow, that went somewhere dark for a Christmas special. <laughs> no wonder there's so many sad Christmas songs. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's how Irvin Welsh uh, worked it. You know, it's, uh, it, it is dark. <laughs> wow. Um, and for nostalgia's sake, uh, I'd also like to add Choosy cheese choosers always say cheese please when they choose the cheese in a cheeseburger at McDonald's. Right. Yeah. Some of you might remember that uh, you would get a free cheeseburger if you could recite that sentence at the counter in under 30 seconds. Um, you, you didn't need to use the Scottish accent, though. Did you ever do that, Dave? No. <laughs> no. Do you no. remember the, the McDonald's promotion? I remember that. I remember two or... Two all beef patty lettuce. I can't even say it. Two <gasps> all beef patty lettuce sauce, special cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. No, I think you. I think you flubbed it a bit there. It's two all <sighs> beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. You were close. I never liked McDonald's that much. You were more of a KFC. Yeah, see, I never really had a junior burger, so I never really bothered with the cheese please business. Oh yeah. Did you eat the pickle though? No, I stuck it on the wall. Yes, of course. That's. That was de rigueur in the Absolutely. day. Absolutely, yes. Fling it out a window and let it stick there and slowly slop down the window until some disinterested teenager who worked there had to um, clear off. Um, but I remember I was I was about twelve when this McDonald's promotion was on, and uh, the girls at the registers they each had uh, like a, a proper push button stopwatch to time you with, uh, so it was pretty high pressure. Um, and, oh, was there a time yeah. limit? What did what was the time limit? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you had to do this in thirty seconds. Um, well, that's pretty easy, surely. Well, it, it is, but then uh, you know, I'd, I'd studied pretty hard. I'd watched television a lot and seen the ads. Um, but I remember I stumbled pretty big right at the start. Um, you've got uh, you know you've got queues of people around you too. Um, oh, there's a lot of pressure on you, surely. Yeah, yeah. And I'm only twelve, so yeah. Um, you know, I stumbled right at the start, I remember this, and um, I was really embarrassed, but I, I knew I had 30 seconds in total, so I was about to start reciting it again uh, when the checkout girl said, oh, don't worry, here's, here's your cheeseburger. <laughs> and, uh, and wow, I, I had so many emotions at that point, I could, I could have burst into tears, honestly. Um, Did you? No, no, I didn't. Um, oh. I mean, point one. She didn't seem to care about the integrity of the promotion. 
Uh, I mean, I, I could have just said, can I have the free cheeseburger and recited nothing and she probably would have given it to me. I mean, where's the integrity? What you got there was a pity cheeseburger. A, a pity cheeseburger. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's right. And um, if I'd thought about it more at the time, that, that cheeseburger would have tasted like ash in my mouth, I'm sure. But, um, you know, point two, I knew I could do this. I knew I still had the 25 seconds or so. I, I, could, have, I could prove myself to this, this cool, semi-adult-looking goddess towering above me with her official stopwatch. I was angry and embarrassed that I wasn't given the chance and that I had already failed uh, and that I was, yeah, an object of pity in her eyes. And then you wet yourself. <laughs> no, I didn't wet myself, but um, but it could be the source of my performance issues with women ever since. Um, and, and point three, you know, I do appreciate what pressure these staff were and continue to be under uh, to this day, uh, the girl wasn't paid enough to, uh, you know, along with her actual job of serving, you know, to have to also babysit this stuttering idiot child while he struggles to recite some ad blurb so he can feel like he's truly earned his cheeseburger. You know, I get that. I get that. But in the end, point four, I did have a free cheeseburger, so I was pretty happy about that at the same time. And, um, you know, I mean, so many emotions, and, and I often think about that moment. Um, but yeah, I can I, I can sure as hell belt that belt out that recitation at any time. Um, you could suddenly shake me awake in the middle of the night, and I'd be ready to belt that out in less than ten seconds. I reckon. Well, think of it this way: maybe the girl just fancied you. Fancied me? Yeah, maybe she was giving you the cheeseburger to impress you. Well, no, Dave, I know you, you're you're a good friend, Dave. God bless you. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, I think you're uh, you're pissing in my pocket there, and and telling me it's raining. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but your <laughs> your life could have been very different if you'd thought of it that way. Yeah, I mean, possibly much worse because it probably isn't true. But you know, what's not true? What I told you. Oh, I was I was genuinely genuinely just trying to make you feel better. Yeah. <clears throat> back to the podcast. I mean, if if you if you want to actually bring it back to the song, I do have some questions. Yes, I was I was going to say, um, let's get back to the song for God's bring, sake. Bring you out of your teenage humiliations. Yeah, I don't know why you brought it up. <laughs> Go on, please. I'm just wondering why this stuff only happens at Christmas. So, ah. like, he met this well. Okay, it's not clear whether he knew the girl before the last Christmas, but he certainly gave her his heart, gave her his brooch, did whatever at Christmas. At Christmas. Yeah. And then a whole year later, and I find it very difficult to separate the song from the video. They seem to be very closely mm. conceptually intertwined. So if you Take the video as a literal interpretation of the song. So she's gone off with his friend, right? Mm, Andrew Ridgely. Last Christmas. Has he had no contact with him during the year? Because he's asking her, does she recognise him? Mm. Right? So does he not go out during the year? What Does he not see yeah. these people? I, don't, I, I just don't understand. 
Yeah, it seems like there's a circle of friends, um, and, and it's a it's it's a fairly incestuous circle of friends. Um, well, that adds a whole other thing. Is there an incest angle? <laughs> yes. Are there any uh, webbed uh, feet or fingers to be seen in the video? Yeah. Um, well, you you that, did bring up George's second cousin a while ago. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you know there. There, there is a bit of uh, fumbling with Christmas decorations, uh, so you know the the webbing on the fingers might um, <laughs> might make it hard. <laughs> that could be the neurotoxins in all the hair products that they're wearing, just affecting their coordination. Oh, okay, yes. So they might not actually be inbred; they might just be horribly affected by chemicals. Um, yeah, but surely they were they were uh, testing those things on rabbits in those days. They should be quite. They should be quite safe if you're not a rabbit. Oh, I'm sure everything that they're wearing in their hair had been put in a rabbit's eye at some point, but yeah. Yes. In fact, that's in the longer version of the video, that's what they do after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> they just sit around passing rabbits to each other and rubbing them in their hair. Um, you know, it was a different time. You can't judge them for that. <laughs> yeah, it was a much simpler time. It was okay then. Yeah, but yeah, why do these things happen at Christmas? Um, I guess uh, Christmas is a is a is a emotionally raw time um, where there's a lot of anticipation, um, and if things don't turn out as planned, it it seems even ever more tragic than in regular times. Um, there's a lot more pressure on the situation, perhaps, kind of like New Year's Eve. Um, yeah, it's another high pressure, high anticipation, generally disappointing evening of the year because of that. Oh, that's true, yeah. yeah. But it also makes me wonder, like, so clearly he's still in love with this other woman. Did he just bring his new girlfriend to make her jealous? Mm. Like, is he just totally using this other woman? Like, maybe for the rest of the year he'd, he'd dropped out of that circle of friends and only drop back into the circle because, you know, they were all going away on this nice holiday. And he thought, oh, I can make this ex-girlfriend majorly jelly by um, by parading my new girlfriend in front of her. Maybe it's, maybe it's not even his girlfriend. Maybe it's a prostitute. Maybe he's dipped out of that circle of friends. He's come back into the circle of friends. Or maybe someone's bumped into him in, in the street. Andrew Ridgely's character is bumped into bumped into him, said, oh, why don't you come away for Christmas with us? Uh, we used to have so much fun. Um, you know, Bring a prostitute. Bring, <laughs> have you got someone in your life? And George was instantly, because he would have known that his ex is going out with Andrew, and he would have said, oh, yeah, of course I've got a new, I've got a new uh, woman in my life. I'd love to bring her um, along. And uh, so, yeah, he would have got himself a, an escort and uh, to paid her extra to um, act the part. Um, for the full girlfriend experience um, of making his ex jelly. Jelly is one of these new um, young people terms that I've picked up. Uh, That's also probably what he puts in his hair. <laughs> yes, sort of flammable napalm jelly. <laughs> After he's rubbed it in a, in a bunny rabbit's eyes. Yes. <laughs> Any other questions? Next question. I have, there's a line... I mean, there's not many lines that aren't in the chorus, to be honest, but there's one line we haven't touched on, which is um, he mentioned that he was a shoulder to cry on, mm. right? 
Well, I mean, wearing all those big cable knit sweaters uh, as you as they do, they would be great for crying on because very absorbent. True, and everyone's got shoulder pads, so there's plenty of room. Oh yeah, eighties, eighties shoulder pads, of course. Yeah, you could have a string of ex girlfriends crying on your shoulder, and and still have room. Yeah. So, well, my question is, why was she crying on George's shoulder? I was wondering whether last Christmas she had been dumped by somebody ah. and got together with George. Maybe this happens every year. Yeah, so he only got with his ex-girlfriend because she was vulnerable at Christmas and he took advantage, possibly, of her. Yeah. You know, took things a bit far too quickly and, uh, and, and that wasn't fair, not giving her a chance to, to get over. So she, he, he was just the, he was, he was the rebound uh, boyfriend of like a day yep. or so. Slipped her his brooch when she wasn't ready for it, and yeah, you just don't you don't hit someone with a brooch. You know the big brooch move. You don't uh, play that on someone so early. I mean, uh, I can't even. I, I still don't think I've given a brooch away. I haven't, I haven't felt. Uh, it could be I'm just not a brooch giver. I don't know. What about you? Have you have you given a brooch? I have. I gave Kylie a brooch quite early in our relationship. A brooch. Wow. It never, brooches just are never something that that occurs to me. I, I always think it's a uh, a generational thing that that's something my mother might wear. I just uh, <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Brooches. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So did 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 that answer your question or <laughs> whatever your question was? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I think my question is, is this going to happen every year? Is it going to be a string of dumpings? Is it going to be she gets dumped, gets with George, George gets dumped, goes with the other woman. Mm. She goes off with Andrew. Uh, what happens next? Um, yeah, Andrew Ridgely. Does Andrew get yeah. dumped and get together with uh, Pepsi and or Shirley, the backing singers who are also in the video? Um <laughs> Well, Andrew Ridgely uh, gets the brooch. Maybe it's uh, it's whoever gets the brooch doesn't want it. It's a pretty shit brooch. The brooch is cursed. Um, it. If you give that to someone uh, hoping they'll love you for it, they're not gonna. Uh, every Christmas is kind of like a Groundhog Day. The same thing happens. Yep. Uh, certainly seems like that with every um, Richard Curtis uh, Christmas film that comes out. Um, that's another curse. Well, there's a, there's a freaking Christmas film based on this song. Oh my God! There is too, isn't there? Yes, uh, with, um... with Daenerys from Game of Game of Thrones in it. Yes, I haven't. I, I must say, I, I haven't watched the film, and I, I must apologize that I never will. Um, no, no, don't apologize. It's fine. But uh, what, do you know anything of it, Dave? Have you seen it? No, no. I did read the plot synopsis though. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, I'd be. I'd like to hear the synopsis. Hi, Peter in the editing booth here again to say, spoiler alert, for the next 60 seconds, in case you were thinking of watching this film. And if so, God help you. Well, the giving the heart thing is taken quite literally because she literally has had a heart transplant. Oh, Christ. (laughs) And And does she give it away? (laughs) You'd You'd really have to hate someone... If you needed a heart transplant, 
and uh, and thought, oh, I don't sure I don't like this person. I'm um, I'm just not going to use the heart. <laughs> but then, yeah, the other the other person who gave her the heart must must be on a machine. Um, See if you can guess the plot twist because she meets a guy. He's a bit mysterious and he's not always there and sometimes he just appears out of nowhere. Who do you think that guy is? Is it going to be... Is is he the husband of the woman whose heart was given to her? No, it's obviously the dead guy whose heart she had. He's a ghost. He's a ghost! Oh, my God. What a twist. Yep. Oh, my God. Do, Do they fall in love? I don't know. I think they do, but he's obviously dead, so, you know, it doesn't end well. Wow. That's very affecting. Yeah. Um, That's all I know. Still not going to see it, but... um, No, you don't need to now. No. No, absolutely not. No. You could go in and just, as soon as he comes in, you go, he's dead! It's him! (laughs) (laughs) Well, there, abruptly... We end this Lyrics of the Lost Christmas special. We've gone way over time on this episode and overstayed our welcome, so thanks for joining us this far. We intended to have some guest presenters, but like George, we love our own voices too much and ran out of time. This episode has been sponsored by the commercial division of Christmas itself, and we'd like to urge you to spend big and have a great time this period. Even if, to do that, you have to loan money that you can't afford to pay back and are drowning in debt. That's next year's problem. We wish all of you kind listeners a very smooth FM Christmas, full of easy listening and chart-topping good times. Try to ignore any unpleasant feelings and reality in general. Thank you.